Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. So we are in a series called Do Not Quench the Spirit. We're talking about a spirit-filled church and what that means. We've been reading through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14 kind of over and over again. Um, and wait on the Lord in prayer and meditation uh, over those verses. Um, because the whole design of the gifts of the Spirit, and we're not going to actually talk about the gifts of the Spirit yet tonight, but they're designed to profit the church. Um, so on, how many were here Sunday? Okay, most of you were. Um, that operation of the Spirit, that's the gifts of the Spirit in operation. That's one manifestation of the move of the Spirit. Um, how many sense the presence of God in a strong way in that, in those, okay? There are times God will come in like a, uh, like a freight train <laughs> and, and start bowling people over, you know what I mean? Not, not that he just bowls people over in that sense, but he wants people to be aware of who he is. How many realize this, that even though the presence of God was strong in the room, it was nowhere near his full manifestation of presence? Nowhere near. And yet it can wreck people in the sense of it can knock them physically over. Um, but it's nowhere near the level. I mean, if God came in the room, we'd be greasy spots. I mean, our spirits would go on, but our flesh can't handle that. It's not capable. This flesh is not capable of handling that glory. That's why we get new bodies after we pass away or if the rapture of the church takes place. Amen. So if you don't like your body, don't worry, you're going to get an upgrade. Hallelujah. All right. So the purpose of this series is to strengthen this church um, in understanding and cooperating with the move of the Holy Spirit. If this is not important, we talked about this, if this isn't important to the Lord as far as his subject, then why did he dedicate a whole chapter to it? If the gifts of the Spirit are not important anymore, or if they've seceded, as some people uh, think that God's, they have a cessationist belief, they believe that God stopped doing what he, who he, and quit being who he is when the apostles died. They thought, the, the argument is that God needed miracles, signs, wonders, all these things because he needed to establish the book. And once the book was established, then all that other stuff stopped. You know, like God has bipolar. He just quit with that side of his personality and turned into another one. You know, turned into another side of who he is. But that's not what, it, that's not what took place. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, since this is found in Scripture, it means that the Lord sees it as important for a church to have as a part of its church culture. Now, there are actually no specific guidelines on how a church should operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Do you know there are no specific guidelines on how you should take communion? Even though communion is like a big deal, you know what I mean? We consider it a big deal. There, there's no real, you know, there's, there's not, the Bible doesn't say, okay, the gifts of the Spirit are, are, are to operate exactly like this in the service, da-da-da-da-da. Other than we have one scripture that says, if the prophets prophesy, let, let them prophesy by one or two or three and the others judge. That's, that's about it. So actually... A church has to function in the gifts of the Spirit, and then follow the, in following the leadership, you develop, each church develops its own way of doing it. And it progresses, it grows over time. And so, we're, in talking about these things in the gifts of the Spirit, we're not trying to set necessarily just a direct standard to everything. 
Um, but we're learning, we're growing together, seeing how the gifts of the Spirit operate. And specifically, what we're talking about right now is that God, we were all baptized into one Spirit, and that Spirit gives unity, but God loves diversity in the body. And we're talking about how God uses, or, or, or how the, the Holy Spirit used the example with the Apostle Paul of the human body and the church body, or the body of Christ. The, the body of Christ is as diverse as your, as your human body. But yet your human body functions together in unity. If something decides not to operate the way it should, how many realize it affects the rest of the body? Okay, But that's not the way God designed it to function. He designed it to function in unity. Amen? And in, in uh, 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 unif- not in uniformity, but in unity, in one flow. And so we talked about the fact that we're all baptized into one spirit, which is a powerful truth, but yet we all come from different backgrounds. We looked at verse 12 last week, verse 13, and we looked at verse 14. Specifically... We, we began to look at, and I'm not going to go over verse 12 and 13 again. If you want to listen to those, you can go back and listen uh, on the website to those, uh, the teaching on those verses. But I want to get through some more today. And for time's sake, for tonight, um, we're looking specifically, we're going to start in verse 14 and try to get through verse 20. We'll see what happens, okay? Um, I'm a faith guy, so I really I got my faith out there. So, but <laughs> way out there, right? So verses four, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 20, they stress the importance of all members of the body as well as the necessary diversity that exists within the body. Even though the body is a unity, it is made up of many parts. This, now, now, realize this, okay? I know it's Wednesday night, and you already went halfway through your week, and you got the rest of your week. But as we're sitting here, as you're sitting here, and I'm standing here, and we're together in faith, we're going to see things that we've never seen before by the Spirit of God. Now, not new revelation that doesn't exist here, but revelation from what already exists that we just haven't seen yet. Amen? And so you can get something tonight that you, you, you could go away from it. You could get a revelation tonight that will carry you for the rest of the month. You say, is that possible? I do it. Well, I'll just put it to you like this. You can get so crazy with Jesus. And over into the spirit that you can do what I do on a frequent basis. You say, what is that? In the middle of the night while I'm sleeping, I'm having a conversation with God. Come on, how many have done this before? Your body's asleep, but you're going. And the Lord actually has taught me things in the middle of the night when I'm sleeping. Now how? Because I'm a spirit. I'm not a body. I'm not a flesh. You know, if, if we were in a secular setting and you had, you had like a, a Satan worshiper, a magician or something like that up, up here and they were talking about out-of-body experiences, most of the world goes, yeah, that's true. And then you get into the church and, and, and you start talking, not that I was out of my body, but you start talking about spiritual experiences like this and the church goes, I don't know about that. God invented the spirit. He is spirit. He is the Lord of the spirit realm. And you and I are actually birthed from the genetic code of heaven. I'll put it to you like this. We're actually birthed from the loins of God. 
Isn't that something? My genetic makeup in the spirit is identical to God's. Because I've been born again. <laughs> yeah, you, be, you better search your epistles. Because it's all over in there. That's why from that spirit to the Lord, my body may need to sleep, but my spirit doesn't. It doesn't need to sleep. And so I've actually been up at times, I've been aware of the fact that I was actually talking to the Lord for an hour or more at night. And then I wake up in the morning and just you just kind of continue, you know what I mean? Only you now have the natural world kind of messing with you a little bit. So we, we are, even though the body is a unity, it is made up of many parts. We need to understand our role and not, and try, and not try to function in someone else's. And that's what we're going to see here. We need to respect our role and function in maturity in order to be the complement we are all designed to be for the rest of the body. All right. Verse 14 says this, and we looked at this last week, so I'm not going to take a lot of time on verse 14, I don't think. It says this, 1 Corinthians 12, 14, for in fact, the body is not one member, but what? Many. The Mirror Bible says it this way, the individual member and its function do not define the body. The body gives context to the individual member. Your specific gifting does not define you. Christ defines you. Okay? We do this. We, we worship giftings. <laughs> it happens. When we should be worshiping the Lord and honoring the gifting, but not worshiping the gifting and going, okay, Lord, thank you for that. So people will do this, and I understand why, but as we grow and develop in spiritual maturity, when I was real young in the Lord, I would search out those who were gifted in word of wisdom or word of knowledge or prophecy because I really needed a word from the Lord. But the closer you get to the Lord, you realize you can just hear from the Lord. And now I don't ever seek out prophecies. For one, I know if they come, I got something coming up that's going to need me, that, that I'm going to need a stable word to hold me. So just keep your prophecies to yourself, all right? Because I don't want <laughs> I got enough fights going on as it is, you know what I mean? No, but all, in all seriousness, what I realize is, is that I can hear from the Lord, and then when prophetic words do come, they, I only use them, and, and they serve the purpose of confirming what I already have. So if somebody does give me a prophetic word, and it doesn't line up, I just throw it away. I don't rebuke the person and, you know, make them feel, you know, little or anything. I just throw it out because it's not from the Lord or shelve it, so to speak. So what defines us is not our gifting, okay? I'm not a pastor first. I'm a child of God first. And then my gifting or part of that call that in the kingdom, my function is that I'm a pastor, Okay, a military, somebody who's in the military, they're not, they're not a soldier first, they're the child of so-and-so, okay, they have, a, they have a last name, they have a genealogy behind them in the natural, but within the context of the United States military, they are a sergeant, but that sergeant is not their identity, it, at least it shouldn't be. My identity is in the Lord first. And then from there, as I develop in maturity in the Lord, I can then function 
in the office that I stand in. And everybody in this room stands in an office in the kingdom. Now people go, oh, I don't want to be an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, or evangelist. That's just five of them. Every person, your fingers do the finger job, your toes do the toe job, your feet do the feet job. But there's this big category, and actually uh, Mike talked about it, uh, I think it was, I don't, that was back when we had lessons in leading, I think. But he talked about the gifts of the Spirit found at the end of this uh, at the end of this chapter, talking about the apostle, the prophet, miracles, workers. But you know what's in there? Helps. In the middle of actually healing and miracles is helps. Because helps is just as supernatural as somebody getting up out of a wheelchair. But we don't see it that way. Do you want to know why? Because we're immature in our thinking. Do you know that outside of the five-fold, what we call the five-fold ministry gifts, the largest office in the church is the ministry of helps? It is the largest office. What do you mean by that? More people are needed in the ministry of helps. How many realize this in your own physical body? You don't need the rest of your body to join your face. Yeah, think about it. I know. It will make, make your brain just kind of cramp a little bit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? How many parts support the ability to speak? Now, if you just think in terms of muscle and jaw and bone and all that, your tongue, all that, but if you don't have heartbeats, how much talking are you doing? But how much credit is the heart or getting or honor or being seen right now in my in my body? Not much, because it's hidden. The helps ministry is, how many know your, your, uh, your bones? If we suck the bones out of your body, it's going to be tough for you. Right? You're going to have a hard time. You become a jellyfish. Right? No bones, no, no structure to you. But you're, you don't think about your bones all day. But you'll spend, you know, especially the ladies, a good amount of time in the morning in front of the mirror not thinking about your bones. I bet you if you didn't have any bones, you wouldn't care about your makeup on or your... <laughs> I, bet your I bet your attention and the importance of things would shift. See, this is how we have to think. This takes mind renewal. And so... The, the definition of who we are is Christ. Christ is the one who divines us, not, not, the, not, not our gifting. Okay? Verse 15 goes on to say this, and this is where Paul begins to define these things. It begins to show us the importance. It says, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not part of the body? So what do we see in these verses? We should never disqualify ourselves in the, body of, in the body of Christ because we are not what someone else is. Fight against the mentality of the grass is greener. Well, you know, uh, my spouse is more vocal, they're more seen. I'm really not that important. That is directly in contradiction to what the Spirit of God is saying in this verse. 
Now we're going to get into this more and more because this is actually a problem. It's why many in the body of Christ don't do anything because they live in a place of not seeing themselves the way God sees them. Their identity, they, they actually look at the identity of somebody else who stepped into their calling or into their place and they're actually in a grace and they look at that and glorify that and don't even take the time to identify who they are in Christ and what their call is in the body of Christ. Or they, and at times it's, 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 it's become, you know, if you have an egotistical leader in, in a particular uh, denomination or a church or a ministry or something like that, they try and become everything in the body. All the gifts flow through me. That's it. So we should never disqualify ourselves in the body of Christ because we are not what someone else is. You may say, well, I'm not a foot. But are you a hand? Well, I'm not a foot, so I'm not part of the... I don't prophesy, so I'm not part of the body. In the body of Christ, there is no such thing as a nobody. In the body of Christ, there is no such thing as a nobody. In the body of Christ, there is no such thing as a nobody. Yeah, I'm going to run right out all the insecurities. Because everybody has something. But will you beat it? Well, I'm not what my older sibling is. You're right. God is not foolish enough to make carbon copies of everything. How many have noticed he likes variety? If he was as dull as as some people think, there would be three kinds of fish. Light gray, medium gray, and dark gray. There would be three kinds of leaves. Light gray, medium gray, and dark gray. But God's not that way. I know Brother Hagin years ago went to a denominational church. They invited him in to speak. He went in, and he, he had this suit on, and I think it was a black suit, and he had a bright, bright red tie on. And one of the denominational uh, elders or board members there, he kind of, you know, it ruffled him. The tie, he got upset over the tie. And he said, well, I, I don't know that God would wear a tie like that. And Brother Hagin looked at him and said, God made the roses. I wonder if God likes variety. Come on, you got to fight this mentality. You got to realize I ain't the foot, but I'm the hand, baby. Now, you don't have to get arrogant, but glory in what the Lord is doing in you. Well, I wish I was. No, you don't. You need to find out who you are in the Lord and then let him show you who you are in the body and let him reveal to to you the importance of that part. And then don't let anybody shame you over it. In the body of Christ, there is no such thing as a nobody. We must learn to fellowship with God concerning our purpose and position until, like Paul, we say, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 17 says this, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. We get ourselves into trouble when we judge things after the natural. Not the spiritual. 
Brother Hagin said it this way in his book, Growing Up Spiritually, determine in your heart to put spiritual things first. First things first. Esteem earthly things lightly, even if it's your own relatives. <laughs> I love this because people just in the church especially, you want to, I get so much resistance. I'm talking about in this room, in this church. At times, when I go to picking on, you need to obey God over your family. Holy smokes, you would have thought, you would have thought I robbed your, your safe in your basement of everything precious you have. Because people have exalted natural things above God. P families will actually lie for each other, which is a direct disobedience to the word of God. Because they quote unquote love their family. No, no, you don't. You actually hate your family if you empower them to disobey God. And on our culture today, it's like, oh, no, love, love is love. You know, love everything. It doesn't matter. what we just, we just love everything, everything. We love everybody. What does that mean? You just be whatever you are, whatever you want. It doesn't make any difference. Just do whatever you want. And we'll just love you the way you are. You can actually, you, in doing that, you actually end up hating that other person. And so, uh, putting first things first. Spiritual people put God first. Put God before family. Put God before work. Put God before ministry. You say, uh-huh. Yeah, you have to. Ministry can become a God. People, there's some people, that all they just think about 24-7 is, I want to be in the ministry, I want to be in the ministry, I want to be in the ministry. You will until you get in it. <laughs> and then you won't think that way so much. <laughs> I actually heard Andrew Womack talk about this. He was praying for a group of people. And uh, this one gentleman came up for prayer. And he just, in his heart, he was like, I'm not praying for that guy. And so he skipped him in the line. So the guy got out of the line and went down to where, and he skipped him again. And the guy finally got in front of him and said, why won't you pray for me? He said, because I know what you want, and I don't want to pray for you because you're not ready for it. And he said, no, I'm ready. I want to go into the ministry. Well, he was a gentleman who had been, uh, the Lord had saved him and delivered him out of a homosexual lifestyle. Well, he, he, uh, he wanted to minister so bad to that group. Because the Lord had ministered to him. He wanted to share that love. But he wasn't ready yet in his identity in Christ. And, and what the Lord had showed Andrew Womack was, if he goes into ministry now, he'll fall back into the lifestyle. I have seen this happen so many times. Oh my goodness, so many times. Where gifting is, or calling is actually promoted above spiritual maturity. When the scripture clearly teaches that it's the other way around. I'll put it to you like this. God cares more about the vessel than he does the, the, the thing inside the vessel. You say, what do you mean by that? God cares more about you personally and individually than you fulfilling the call of God upon your life. He will never reverse it. He'll always put you into boot camp first and develop your character to the point where the devil can't trip you up in pride. Because the scripture is clear that if you put a novice in leadership, I, I just had a conversation with somebody about this just a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was a month ago, I don't even remember now. 
A lot has happened since then. But this person has, was delivered out of a lifestyle of addiction to drugs and different things like that. And they, they came in for help because they're in the middle of trouble. But yet they sat and informed me about why I was wrong for telling them that they shouldn't go back and try and help all the drug addicts that were her, that were her friends. I mean, I mean, just belligerent against me, but yet came to this church to meet with me. Not that it was scheduled, but came to meet with me and asked for advice because they're in trouble, but then won't listen. I want to, sometimes I want to go, do you notice that I didn't come to you for advice? You say, that's harsh, Sean. Boy, in this situation, it's life or death. Because if you, if you get back into that, it, they're like, it, they went back into that lifestyle to minister to, and they're, they're using again. Why? Because the time was not taken to develop character first. There was no submission. There was no spiritual growth. And if that takes place, you'll have spiritual destruction. The enemy will take that person out. Put God before your self-life. You will be blessed spiritually and better off physically. Both you and your family. Verse number 17. If the whole body were an eye, where, it says where would what? Where would, the, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were an ear or hearing, where would the smelling be? The Holy Spirit continues to convince the church of their individual importance by using the eye, ear, nose, and their different functions as an example. Do eyes hear? Some people are looking at me kind of funny. That's not a trick question. Do eyes hear? <laughs> they do not hear, okay? Okay. <laughs> We might have to go back to grade school on some of this. You know. <laughs> do ears, ears, do they smell? Do, does your mom ever bring you a, a, a piece of cake or something and go, oh, smell this, and you go. <laughs> no, because ears don't what? They don't smell. They don't smell. Seeing and not hearing is a limitation. Hearing and not seeing, uh, hearing and not and hearing and seeing, but not smelling is a limitation. God so designed the body of Christ so that as uh, so that as we come together in the unity of love, each in their proper place, functioning in their proper grace, we receive in full the graces of the kingdom of God in our midst. So uh, another translation of this ver uh, verse 15 through 17 says this. The different members co-complement each other. The hand is not more valid, a more valid member of the body than the foot. How silly it would be for the foot to feel inferior to the hand simply because it does not look the same. They fulfill completely different roles but are equally part of the same body. Should the ear say, because I'm not an eye, I am not part of the same body? Does that mean the ear is right? If the body was just one huge eye, then everything would be silent. If it was all ears, like Ross Perot, <laughs> I know who's laughing and who's not, and I know your age. All right. <laughs> then how could it smell the fragrance of the flowers? 
The diversity in unity is illustrated several ways. Paul used the illustration of the foot and the hand. The foot might feel inadequate in comparison with the dexterity of the hand, but the foot has a function that is vital. Paul added comparison of the ear and eye. Again, the sense of inadequacy and and inferiority might arise. The eye carries a great deal of responsibility and is an obvious part of the body. Should that make the ear feel uninvolved or unimportant? Because its function is less obvious. Or can it say that because it's not another member of the body, that it is not part of the body? This is so vital that we understand this. The obvious answer is no. It cannot say that. In carrying the analogy to its proper conclusion, Paul offered some insights on unity. First, he noted that in the human body, each member is important because if some part is missing... Some important function of the body is missing. And the body is incapable of performing as a healthy body should and would. Any time a member of the body of Christ ceases to function, the cause of Christ is hurt because something vital is absent. The church was formed very carefully to do the whole work of God in this world. In these verses, we see the importance of taking time with the Lord to know your place and function. We see the importance of glorying in what God has called you to do and not comparing yourself to others. Verse 18 says this, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. The Mirror Bible says it this way, God engineered every individual part of the body according to his deliberate design. It is God who has set the members. Notice it says, each one of them. God is the one who decides our station in the body of Christ. Now, you got to listen to this. Since this is the case, it tells me two things. First, we cannot set ourselves where we desire, no matter how much we want it. Now, see, this is where spiritual maturity comes in. People will say, well, I'm gifted. I deserve this. That's not enough. Being gifted is not enough. Let me ask you a question. Are the, the, the singers and the performers that are on uh, Sony Records, are they gifted? Do they have character, though? And are they using the gifting God gave them for the profit of others or for the profit of themselves? See, this is the difference in the body of Christ. We're actually baptized into one spirit and we are gifted by that spirit. But if we develop like we should spiritually, I actually don't see my gift as this is my gift. I see, Lord, you have anointed me to minister to my body. Which is not me personally, it's the body. If you have that mentality, this is, honestly, I'm, I have sensed this in praying about these things. Because how many want to see God move stronger and stronger and stronger? I mean, have, how, how many here have seen the gift of faith in operation? You've actually seen it. I've heard about it. I've never seen it. 
Now, I've seen working of miracles. I'm talking about the gift of faith. You say, what's the gift of faith? Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I what Brother Hagin shared with us, because that's all I know. I think probably Smith Wigglesworth operated in it quite a bit, too. <laughs> but Brother Hagin talked about the fact that in one of his meetings, there was a lady in a wheelchair sitting on one side of the... I don't remember his side. Of, he, he knew. He knew the actual time of day, the date, and what the day was. I mean, he, could, he was just that way. But anyway, we'll just say she was sitting over here, and he said... All of a sudden on the inside of him, he, the Lord said, you're going to point at her and tell her to get up out of her chair and she's going to be healed instantly. And he said this, the gift of faith was in operation. He said, you know how I know this? He said, because I could not doubt it. There wasn't even an opportunity to doubt. And, I, and I'm thinking, Lord, what, these, these are the promises. I don't know, maybe you're not like me. But do you ever, I, I read my Bible and get frustrated sometimes. Not frustrated like I'm mad at God, because I'm not mad at him. I'm like, Lord, you said this. This is what you said about us. You said I could live so free because you set me free indeed. You know, I, I go back and I, and I, and I, I uh, you know, the scripture says in Isaiah, come let us reason together. And I go reason with him. God, why? And, it, and we go back and forth. But I want to find out why there were levels of breakthrough in certain areas with certain people. Why the manifestations of the Spirit took place in different parts of the world or with different ministers. What made, what gave these men or, men or women of God the ability or the, uh, 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 how did they know how to function and how did they get to where they were seeing the things that we know that are true from the Scriptures. Not that we mentally just agree with them, but we're actually having a manifestation of them. In our midst, what did they do differently? What was the difference? And I'm actually convinced one of the things that hinders the body of Christ from seeing greater and greater levels of manifestation is a lack of understanding concerning the unity of baptism into the love of God. So it's become about the individual rather than about the body of Christ. So, you, you know, everything functions on a soul level in the church. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, as long as it stays at an emotional level, which is not true love, by the way. If everything stays, if we all, you know, a function and see things on an emotional level and we connect on an emotional level, then you can actually have a church that's united around the soul and not the spirit. And you can actually maintain it. You say, how do you maintain it? Well, I'll just tell you this. With the proper, um, the proper worship team and instruments and all of those type of things and the proper structure of things, if you do everything mechanically or a certain... Well, I'll put it to you like this. Do you know that when you go into certain stores, they actually put certain fragrances in the air that they know will help you buy? <laughs> Some people are like, no. I'm going to plug my nose next time I go in and see if I buy less. You would... <laughs> Do you understand? In other words, there's a psychology that functions in the church that actually is not of the Spirit. And, it, and the reason why is because we don't have an understanding of the Spirit nature. We understand things on a mental, a soul level rather than a spirit level. When you understand the spirit level, you realize this. 
that if you don't, the closer you get to God, you'll, you'll have a yearning to function in what he's gifted you in from a place of maturity because you realize that it's a profit to your body, to the body of Christ. You'll go, oh, it will, it will uh, irritate your insecurity. Or it will irritate your pride. So just so we can cover both ends of the spectrum, you know what I mean? You say, what do you mean by that? Well, people will say this, well, I'm shy. Based on what scripture? It just takes the shyness right out. Well, I was raised this way. So Paul said, it's no longer I who liveth, but the way that I was raised liveth in me. Well, I, you know, uh, uh, I'm a, this is the other side. You should put me up there. I'm amazing. <laughs> you, you think that doesn't happen, but it does. It does. Again, not understanding who you are in Christ and the purpose of the gift. Do you know the purpose of my gift is not to make money? If that's my motivation, then I'm actually violating the scripture because the scripture says that a leader can't be, be motivated by greed of money. What does my motivation have to be? It has to come from the love of God for the people of God. As I fellowship with the chief shepherd, as an under-shepherd, I then minister to you according to what his heart is concerning your situation. Now watch, people go, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's very right, and it is true. And ministers should do that. That is the same requirement for every person in the body of Christ. Because outside of the fivefold ministry gifts, if you're not called to what we call the pulpit ministries, and that's just a natural, that's just a natural kind of way to give you an idea, the ministry of helps every person is in. Do you know I'm in the ministry of helps? Do you know in a couple weeks I'm going to go preach at a Northern Plains Believers Rally, and I'm going to preach, and I'm going to minister, and I'm going to do it according to what Pastor Larry wants? I will not go in there and go, now Larry, you listen to me. I've been in the ministry now for a while. No, no, nope. And listen to me, it's not because I, I need to schmooze them in order to have a preaching engagement. I, I, you don't know this, but I've had many conversations with Pastor Larry where I've told him, look, anytime you want to cut me, go ahead. Because I know the purpose of the rally. The purpose of the rally is for his pastors. I said, if you want somebody else in there, I'll fill in in the daytime or not at all. I'm good. Either way. Why? Because this isn't about me. The body itself, the gifts of the Spirit are not about the individual. We have to get this. We have to get it on both sides. You say both sides. What does that mean? That means this. You have to realize not only that you're not insignificant, but then others need to realize you're not the most important thing in the room. We need to get down to the middle where Christ says, where we understand who we are in Christ to where we're not 
in afraid to step out in what God has asked us to do. And we're not so full of pride that if we run out ahead, it's all about us. And there's no glory going to God at all. Well, your gift is just amazing. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. Okay, fine. It's amazing. But who's getting the glory? God is the one who sets the members. We saw this and we'll end right here. We cannot set ourselves where we desire no matter how much we want it. The second thing that this verse shows me is this. It tells me that no matter who or what comes against us and our God-ordained position in the body, if we will believe God, nothing can stop us from fulfilling our purpose because it's God who set us there. We must learn to be pleased with the position he has chosen for us. Realize that our position in the body of Christ does not limit us. This is so important. Realize that our position in the body of Christ does not limit us in relationship and fellowship with God. You can know God better than me or any other preacher you think who knows God better than you. It's individual. My position in the body of Christ does not mean I have greater intimacy with the Lord than you. It just means I have a mantle, an anointing, not, and not in a negative or kind of weak way. It just means that's part of what I have. That's part of what the, what the Lord chose for me. So what did he choose for you? And people say, you need to give me a word and tell me what God chose. No, no, no. You go and you spend time with the Lord. And then as he deals with you about you and grows you up individually in your identity in him, out of that the Lord will go, this is your purpose. You are a finger. Whatever. And then let's say, you're an, let's say the Lord says, you're a thumb. And you go, I'm a thumb. Glory to God. Lord, thank you for the thumb anointing. I don't, I don't know what the thumb anointing is, okay? So, <laughs> thank you for the... Lord, I glory in this gift that you've given me. Lord, this gift was given to me uh, so that I could uh, be a part of your body and be a blessing to the rest of the hand. And, and, and able to assist the eyes and the ears and, the no, and be, able to, be able to assist the mouth and the taste buds so we can pick up the piece of pie and put it in the mouth. And Lord, I know that as I do that, the taste buds will rejoice, but I'll get the benefit of that pie in my thumb, in me. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Well, I'm not eyeballs, but I'm ears. Lord, I just thank you I'm an ear. I hear. I glory in the fact that I hear. And Lord, I'm so thankful that I have the eyes just around the corner here in front of me so that we can see where we're going. So when I hear a sound of a freight train, I don't just hear it and wonder what it is, but the eyes see it, and we know what it is, so we stay off the tracks. Don't sit in your position and go, well, I wish I was Joy. How come Joy gets to lead? How come Joy gets to be the worship leader? <laughs> she doesn't know, and she's right. I don't know why I do this either. It's any gifting... you. It's because he chose. Yeah. 
realize that our position in the body of Christ does not limit us in relationship and fellowship with God. Every believer has the same potential of intimacy with the Lord, but every believer does not hold the same position in the body. Here we see the Holy Spirit through Paul declaring that the individual members of the human body do not choose their function or place. They do not reach into some grab bag and pull out a function that pleases them. The human body was designed very carefully. He had a specific plan in mind when he did the work. Nothing was left to chance or accident. The plan was followed very carefully. The plan was that was the one, the one God desired. It was according to his delight and was grounded in wisdom and, practically, and practicality and love. If there, it therefore pleases his heart, God's heart, to see the body working well and in unity. The plan and design was intended to profit the rest of the body. He placed each member in order that together they would make the body function properly. And what is true of the physical is true also of the church, the body of Christ. Amen? So to, uh, this evening, as we've looked at this, Here's this, this type of teaching requires effort on the hearer's part. You have to go back and you have to read over 1 Corinthians 12 and go, okay, Holy Ghost, talk to me. People say, well, I, may, I don't ever hear anything. Don't ever say that. <laughs> you haven't heard yet. That's okay. But don't ever say, I never hear from God. That's one of the worst things you can say. Because what you're saying is, God doesn't talk to me, and I can't hear. And the scripture says, God talks to you, and you know his voice. <laughs> Sometimes people say, well, I haven't been walking with the Lord but a few weeks. You need to walk around going, I'm his sheep. I hear his voice. He speaks to me, and I know it. I hear clearly. I'm not deceived. I hear from the Lord. And as you do that, it develops that. So you got to take time. How many are willing to take time? You know, it's just a matter of your body. Let me help you with something. And I'm done. I'm closing the notes. Doesn't mean I won't have other things to say. <laughs> no, that's not true. I'm done. Let me help you with something. This is what I'm wanting you to see when we're, as we're talking about this. I'm wanting you to see that, that you're not just affecting you. You're affecting everyone here. If, if I have you come up here and I put your thumb on here and I hit it with a hammer, the rest of your body will respond. And guess what? It's the same in the spirit. And we haven't got to the verse yet, but Paul talks about it just a few verses down. You have an effect. You are, you are valued, you are needed, you are all of the, because God has designed, but not for your own benefit, for the profit of others. I, I don't think we realize how selfish we really are. It runs deeper than you think. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, 
visit faithfamilybillings.com.